The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm Dave Cornoyer, and you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this episode on December 12th, 2021, and I'm joined as always by our producer, Adam Rosenhart. Hey, Adam. Hi, Dave. How's it going? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. It's been a wild couple of months here uh, in my yeah. world. So. Yeah. So I, 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 I was, I'm a bit remiss. I, was, um, I neglected, and it's my fault, I neglected to mention this on our last episode when, when we do our little little chat beforehand, that you've, you have some big news. So I want to give you a bit of a, a spotlight to, uh, to talk about what your, what your big news is. You've, you've made some, some interesting uh, and some, uh, I guess, life change, not life change, uh, career change recently, life change, but career change. So t- tell us uh, about your exciting news. Yeah, so hot on the heels of uh, getting Edmonton's next mayor elected, along with hundreds of other volunteers, uh, a buddy of mine, Tyler Butler, and I started to, uh, we launched our communications company. It's called Adverb Communications, and uh, we've been at it since November 8th, I believe. And uh, yeah, it's been been going great so far. That's awesome. That's great. And where can people uh, where can people find out more about Adverb Communications if they're, yeah. if they're interested? And you all should be interested. And you all should hire Adam because he's awesome. Exactly. Yeah, you can hire hire Tyler and I at <laughs> adverbcoms.com. We also, uh, Dave, have a podcast called Ask Adverb oh. that we publish every couple of weeks. So, oh, that's excellent. Well, we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the show notes. So if, uh, if people who listen, um, I'm sure they can check it out on on your your company website, but uh, they can also find a link on. Uh, on the show notes here. So that's awesome, Adam. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, that's a big, uh, that's a big step and a big leap to take. And, uh, I wish you, uh, uh, plenty of success in, uh, in the new year. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, and thanks to all the Dave Berta listeners who went, wind up hiring me. <laughs> Only the best. Only the best. Exactly. So we're we're thrilled today to welcome two guests to our year-end episode of the Dave Berta podcast. It's been a wild year of recording uh, on Google Meet. Um, it's I was talking, Adam and I were chatting before the pod that it's been about two years, almost almost two years since we recorded an, a, a, a podcast in person. And hopefully, in the new year, at some point in the new year, we can uh, we can resume to actually seeing each other in uh, in in person. Uh, but today, for our last episode of 2021, we are thrilled to welcome remotely, virtually. To the Dave Berta podcast, two two excellent guests who are going to join us to talk about Alberta politics. Um, Adrian King of the Now Group is a former chief of staff to Alberta NDP leaders Rachel Notley and Brian Mason, and Saskatchewan NDP leader Ryan Maley. Is, is that how to, how do I pronounce it? Maley? It's Miley. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Excuse my excuse my uh, my ignorance of Saskatchewan politics. I. Uh, I, I try to pay as much attention as I can, but uh, sometimes totally, I get the yeah. pronunciations wrong. So, welcome, very much, welcome to the podcast, uh, Adrian. Yeah, and thanks for thanks for having me, Dave. And our our second guest, a return guest, uh, we're thrilled to welcome to the back to the podcast, Matt Solberg, who's a partner at New West Public Affairs and former Wild Rose and UCP staffer who has worked at various times alongside politicians. Listeners of this podcast may know as such as. Paul Hinman, Danielle Smith, Brian Jean, and Jason Kenny, uh, two of those who, who may be running in the upcoming by-election by in Fort McMurray, Lac La Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Dave. That's great. Well, this is I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled, and uh, we got a, got a whole bunch of stuff we want to talk about today. We got some fun uh, fun little uh, 
little uh, activities to go on in the pod to to end the year. So I guess just to just to dive right in, um, let's talk about the big thing that people have been talking about in Alberta politics over the past month, the past few weeks. Uh, the Uni- United Conservative Party held their annual general meeting. It was a couple weeks ago, uh, and the on the the kind of the big topic of conversation in Alberta politics that that isn't really going anywhere is the challenges to Jason Kenney's leadership. So, Matt, were were you at the UCP AGM a couple weeks ago? I was, yes. What was the yeah. mood like at the AGM? There were about, there were more than a thousand delegates who attended. It was it was in Calgary, the Grey Eagle uh, Resort and Casino. What was the what was the mood of the the people? Uh, the UCP yeah. members who were there. Yeah, you know what? I I think it was actually a, a pretty upbeat room. Um, and I think there was, you know, there's been a lot of reporting and coverage of that AGM. And I think for the most part, um, you know, the coverage has been accurate in describing the tone. One of the things, though, that I think uh, was kind of missing is a lot of people were just really happy to be back together in one room. Uh, and a lot of people that you know, you've seen over the last year and a half, perhaps sort of bickering at each other online or on Twitter. Well, once you're once you're actually sitting down with them again, uh, it's it's pretty hard to continue that kind of uh, that tone of hostility uh, in person. So I think that was uh, pretty disarming for a lot of uh, a lot of folks. But overall, um, you know, I think that the premier certainly had his people uh, at that event. Um, and generally, the mood was—I uh, don't want to say upbeat. Uh, I don't think that's quite uh, accurate, but I think it was more positive and productive than I expected it to be. Um, frankly, I thought there was going to be a bit more disorder and uh, and chaos. Uh, but I also have uh, come to learn that Paul uh, Paul Wells' number one rule of politics being. You know, the most uh, boring outcome uh, is is the likeliest outcome, and that's the case. Uh, that's what we saw at that AGM, and uh, I'm I'm not terribly surprised by that. So it, it's not the outcome that's exciting; it's the ride there, which is what we've uh, we've discovered in Alberta politics the the wild ride. And I know, and I mean, you're probably you probably remember. I mean, the Wild Rose Party and how raucous some of some of their conventions could be, and it did seem like like a much more of a much more of a tame affair. Um, than uh, than some of the conventions, conservative or wild rose conventions we, we've seen in the past. Now, Matt, I just wanted to touch on the week before the convention, there were 22 UCP um, constituency associations, presidents and CAs who announced uh, that they had passed a identical motion to um, to hold a leadership race before March 1st, or pardon me, leadership review of Jason Kenney before March 1st, 2022. Now, we know originally the there'd been a leadership review that had been planned for next fall, fall 2022, and then as kind of a compromise with to kind of defuse a caucus revolt or, or defuse some tension in his caucus, Premier Kenny agreed to move the leadership review to the spring, to April, uh, and then there was this group of 22 constituencies, which is no small, small, not small number of constituencies. It's 22 out of 87. They were agitating to move it before March 1st for for some reason, I don't really know what the difference between February and, and April is. Um, I mean, obviously, they're they're worried about pull, the party's polling numbers, the party's fundraising, and and Premier Kenny's uh, approval ratings, um, as we've seen plummet over the past over the past year. Now, I, I guess to get an idea, who are these? Who are these twenty two? Because you said it was seemed pretty. People seem pretty jovial, at least in a pretty good mood to see each other at the at the AGM. But 
obviously, I mean, I would assume most of the 22 or all of the 22 constituencies were there. So like, is this a wild rose PC split? Is it a rural urban split? Is it a, like a social conservative libertarian split? Like, uh, you know what? I, I, I don't think it's as easy as that, because if you actually look at what some of the, uh, the presidents of those 22 UCP associations have said over, uh, over the last year and up to including that, uh, that press conference that they held uh, shortly before the AGM, mm -hmm. uh, some of them are representing this as a clear challenge, obvious challenge to Premier Jason Kenney. Uh, some of them feel that he is, uh, you know, worn out his welcome and they would like to see a leadership race uh at the earliest possible uh date others uh including uh jack redekop in uh, uh representing one of the south calgary ridings have put this more in the sense of they have a job to do which is to represent their con you know the, the constituents and the members in uh in that riding and they're asking the constituency association to represent their views up so it's some are saying this is more you know we need to give grassroots a voice uh, we're not sort of putting, uh, we're not taking a stake in this ourselves, but we know our members want to have a say. Uh, and so that's why they've passed that motion. Um, and I found that, you know what, over the last year and a half, there's been a lot of noise, a lot of dissent uh, from within uh, caucus and within the party. But it's, it's almost a lazy char uh, characterization to say that this is all, you know, this is all uh, people who want Jason Kenney gone. It's also lazy to say that this is all about COVID restrictions. It, it honestly, it depends on who you talk to. Um, all I know is that the unifying motivation, which is to see a leadership review uh, happen, uh, is coming, not nearly as quickly. Well, I, I can't even say not nearly, not as quickly uh, as they had wanted. Uh, in fact, it's about five weeks uh, later than March 1st. Uh, but I know the party's also been making some efforts to uh trying to ensure that it is as wide open a leadership review uh as possible while still holding it as a sort of single physical event uh so they've moved it from edmonton to red deer uh they're holding it as a standalone special general meeting meaning that they don't need to worry about board elections policy resolutions they can drive down the cost of the event and try and make it more accessible uh for people and I think when you looked at that motion that those 22 ridings passed, the second part of that motion to me was the most important part. And that wasn't the date. It was about the uh, sort of the format for the review. Um, there was a big push to have sort of a one member, one vote, having it as wide open to the membership as possible. Uh, the party uh, has decided to go with a, uh, you know, a convention style event. Uh, but by moving it to uh, central Alberta, I think they're hoping that signals uh, enough compromise that uh, uh, that these constituency associations will be satisfied with with that format. Yeah, but there, there's no doubt that it, that, it, that it's it would, it's going to make it more challenging for for the people who oppose Kenny uh, to be, because it isn't because it is an in-person event rather than kind of a province-wide vote. I mean, the logistics of setting I understand the logistics of setting up a sure. province-wide vote on a leadership race where every single member gets to vote in every riding. That's a big task to, to organize, even in just three months. That's that's like a leadership race kind of kind of uh, of level um, level organization that that you know the UCP yeah. 
you know, doesn't necessarily have the doesn't necessarily have the money to. I'm not, not money isn't just the only issue, but I mean, their finances haven't haven't been fantastic, and it would be a, a significant drain on on the party resources and the and the constituency associations. I, I don't disagree. Uh, like, I, it's not it's not what those 22 CAs wanted, but it's also not what I think a lot of them feared, which was a sort of uh, you know PC 2016 convention delegated convention style event. Uh, where, you know, the constituency associations would elect uh, delegates and uh, and that's how you would vote. They didn't go that route. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks were concerned about, um, you know, about being outplayed in, the, in, that, in that circumstance. We know that uh, Jason Kenney is a very strong organizer. Uh, he, he ran the table at the PC uh, delegated conventions uh, to, to start his unity effort. Uh, and I think that there was fear that that would happen again. So it is a compromise. Uh, and in the end, either, you know, the way how, it depends how you look at it, either nobody's happy or everyone's just happy enough that we can maybe make it to April. Uh, and I'm not so sure that come September, last September, uh, I would have made that prediction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's the wild ride. It's uh, it, every week there seems to be something new that comes oh, out. Yeah. And and you're right, people are... Uh, I mean, I can even, you know, conservatives I talk to, Albertans I talk to, people, there's an kind of a, there's an unhappiness. People are grumpy about politics and, and, you know, they're grumpy for, for a lot of reasons. Um, Adrian, uh, so there's no doubt over the past two years, I mean, Jason Kenney went from being in some ways the NDP's worst nightmare when he became leader of the UCP and defeated the NDP and, you know, won a, won a very convincing majority in 2019. But since then, um, I mean, Kenny's kind of become a, an asset to the NDP in in a lot of ways since his mm-hmm. since his polling numbers have started to drop. I mean, the government they they implemented a number of or they they pushed forward a number of unpopular policy items, um, and then just generally their their approval ratings during during by when, when responding to the COVID crisis, the COVID pandemic, the COVID crisis has really really hurt the UCP. So, I mean, the NDP they've been polling well. I think they, I think the NDP have led in every poll since November. They've their fundraising has been spectacular. I mean, just mind-boggling for for the NDP in Alberta. You know, in some yeah, cases absolutely. raising double raising double what what the UCP has raised. So, how does the NDP approach the next three months uh, going into the leadership review? Like, in, do they want Kenny to stay on, or do you know you know do they want to push too hard? Yeah, I mean, I think it's always an interesting question, and I think one of the things that um, I particularly admire about uh, Rachel Notley as a leader is that, um, you know, she takes her job, um, whether as premier or as leader of the official opposition, extremely seriously. And so in terms of that, I think she knows that her job is to oppose the government. And I don't I don't expect in any way that um, she's going to be, you know, uh, pulling in her horns because that's just not um, that's not in her in her DNA. And and. Um, and she really takes the job that she does as as leader of the opposition opposition, I think, very seriously. And and also, you know, the the opposition is hearing all the time from people who are just at their wits end in terms of uh, everything that's going on in terms of healthcare uh, in the province, uh, in schools, et cetera, right? And so I do think that um, I don't I don't anticipate them uh, trying to do what um, Matt uh, Matt and uh, when he was with Wild Rose and when I was with the NDP caucus during the Redford days, um, sort of towards the end, he started going, oh, we don't want to lose her, right? And, and I remember uh, one of our former colleagues um, on the other side uh, saying, 
fish are friends, not food, uh, to us when we were talking about our sort of question period <laughs> strategies. Um, and so, um, you know, that was obviously not successful. And I, and I do think that, you know, in terms of strategy, you can get, you can, you can be a bit too cute by half and start sort of thinking, well, we don't want to push you hard. We don't want to do, and, and, and at the end of the day, the, the opposition's impact on what's going to happen inside, you know, the UCP is not, uh, that's not, um, uh, that's not going to be a, a determinative factor in terms of, I think, how that April vote goes. Um, and in some ways, I think a really uh, united and fierce looking opposition, um, you know, when you have an enemy that, uh, that you're, that you're concerned about, I think that can, that can have a, a, a a surprising impact in terms of sort of people wanting to pull together and and sort of fight off that enemy, right? So, um, I I don't expect that they'll sort of uh, stop stop fighting the government hard uh, in the next in the next few months here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what I found really interesting, I mean, we're in a we're in a situation that we haven't really been in Alberta politics before. We have a former premier leading the official opposition who's planning to run. You know who who. I don't, I don't see any reason why Rachel Notley won't be leader of the NDP going into the next, into the next provincial election. So you kind of have a, you have a very interesting situation. You also have two leaders who have command of their party. And I mean, Rachel Notley, I mean, you know, the NDP had, you know, had trouble in the polls going into the last provincial election, her approval rating dipped. I mean, never dipped as far as Kenny's has gone so far, but her approval rating dipped at certain points and there never seemed to be, but there never seemed to be really be a challenge for against her leadership in the way that that there has that there has been against Jason Kenney. I mean, the situations are different. I mean, Rachel Notley has been the NDP's strongest asset. I mean, I joked around that Jason Kenney was was a great asset to the for the NDP, but I mean, Rachel Notley, she really is that party. Um, and mm -hmm. one of the things I think I think is interesting watching this uh, the the kind of leadership challenges play out in the UCP is that I mean, Jason Kenney is also is also the UCP in a lot of ways and despite having this kind of this opposition within the party, there's the 22 constituencies, there's some kind of the usual, they're, they're turning into the usual suspect of MLAs who are speaking out against. There's, you know, um, uh, Leela here, uh, Richard Godfrey, now Dave Hansen, who kind of spoke out before in the summer anyway. So it's kind of, it's kind of a, it doesn't seem like there's a huge momentum of MLAs who are willing to speak out publicly. Many of them are speaking out privately and in caucus, but um, uh even then, it's kind of a leader, a leaderless uh, opposition to Kenny within within the UCP. No one really wants to be the first to step up, aside from Brian Jean, who's the you know the former leader who's running in the for the uh, for the UCP nomination in the Fort McMurray Laklavich by election. Um, so it's just interesting how the two seem to, have, even though Kenny is facing opposition, he seems to have uh, seems to still have command uh, command over over his own party. Um, Matt, the so this is a gamble. Is can I mean I think I think there's a very good chance that Kenny will win the we win the leadership review that he'll stay on. I think the way that with the way things are set up, I think that Kenny is a has proved that he can outmaneuver his opponents um, at, at every single turn so far. Um, this is a, it's a big gamble because he's still, you know, he's still maybe able to win the leadership review, but he, yeah. he's not, you know, it's not a given that he, he'll be able to turn, turn around uh, the tide in the polls going, going into the 2023 election. Um, so, and I, you know, there's been a shift in, in some of the narrative. I mean, you've noticed Kenny's talking a lot more about the economy. We're hopefully coming out of the COVID pandemic and, you know, 
presumably, I think presumably anyway, we would see some kind of economic rebound because of the the damage that uh, that the COVID pandemic uh, uh, hit Alberta um, and the price of oil. Um, but what if he can't turn it around by this time next year? So say say Kenny le- wins the leadership review or passes the leadership review in April, but the party's still not doing great in the polls and not doing great in fundraising by de- next December next year. Like, where does that leave the UCP? Well, I mean, I think it leaves it. You know, could potentially leave the party in the sort of the worst possible spot. Uh, and if April fifth comes and goes and doesn't sort of settle with some finality, um, you know, these leadership questions, then I think, you know, I don't think just the 2023 election is at risk. I think the movement, uh, the conservative movement in in Alberta uh, could be in trouble. And, you know, we saw in 2017, the the unification of these parties based on the premise that the, you know, not the only way, but certainly the best way to defeat the NDP is to come together uh, as like-minded, free enterprise, small C conservatives. That mission accomplished. That happened in 2019. Now we're at a point where what is this party beyond Jason Kenney? What is this party beyond Brian Jean uh, or Danielle Smith or some of these other uh, uh, leaders of the past? I think we need to come to a place where um, April 5th comes and goes and whatever that decision may be, it it has to be acceptable to the vast majority of our members. And I know it's going to be impossible to get them all on board. And I don't think there should be a lot of effort put uh, into, into trying to retain 100% of the, of uh, the coalition, uh, but they need to maintain a massive percentage of that coalition or else we will head into an election, uh, you know, demoralized without money and perhaps as a, uh, uh, you know, a splintered party again. Like, there's nothing to prevent people from leaving on mass one way or another on April 6th if there is not a sort of a clear path that's being charted beyond that date, whether it's Jason Kenney or, you know, or, or someone else. The movement needs to know where we're going, who's going to lead it, what are, what are the ideas we're putting in the window, um, something has to get people excited again, because we haven't really seen that. We haven't seen that since 2019. And, uh, and I get that a lot of that is COVID. Other portions of that were the sort of the tough medicine policy agenda uh, that Kenny came in with after the 2019 election, the McKinnon report, and a few other things that conservatives knew would be difficult, um, not necessarily going to be widely popular um but you know the the hope was you get those done early in the mandate and then the second half will be you know about rebuilding coalitions that is not the cycle we've had uh and i'm not sure what's going to happen on april 6 whether or not uh uh premier kenny gets you know uh uh sort of hangs on um it's it's not it's not a one and done event because it, there's also no single number that says you know, Premier is, is remaining the leader, other than, you know, technically 50% plus one. Uh, and, uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a movement of a lot of, a lot of people with a lot of emotions, um, a lot of them angry, not a lot of people agreeing on what needs to be done from here. And that's where leadership needs to come in. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we get that. I think, uh, I think the the recipe 
for success is coming together. You're right. The budget's going to be uh, knock on wood. It's going to be, you know, much more uh, optimistic than what we've seen in the past and probably a lot more um, positive than we, we would have predicted even a few months ago. But from there, what's, what's the plan? I mean, are we, uh, is it, you know, going straight back to the McKinnon report and, you know, further reducing expenditures to, uh, to try and make the you know, sort of the budgetary situation sustainable, um, knowing that we're heading into an election, there's not going to be a lot of time to, uh, to start making people happy again. Uh, uh, or, you know, are we going to sort of chart a new course? And can you do economic growth and economic recovery without some, well, quote unquote, austerity on the other side? I, I don't know, but I do know that there are a lot of questions uh, that, frankly, have yet to be asked, but are just sort of percolating out there right now as we try and sort out what's happening on April 5th. Mm-hmm. And, and, if I could just jump. Absolutely. Sorry. I can just jump no, in on that. Great. Like one of the things that I think is super interesting in that whole uh, question is just um, that what what I really think brought those two parties together wasn't an agenda, wasn't um, a, a passion for public policy, shall we say. It was it was a hatred of um, the fact that uh, they were not in power. These are people who are used to uh, largely being in political power. And um, I think sort of hatred and anger at the not the NDP was really what brought those two parties together. Um, and, 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 and I think there was a lot of bad faith critique of the, of the NDP government between 15 and 2019 around sort of um, the way that the economy was going, um, global oil prices somehow being, you know, Rachel Notley's fault. Um, and I just, I ultimately think that one of the challenges that Jason Kenney f- faced when he was elected was just that he'd sort of imprisoned himself with his own rhetoric a little bit, right? Um, and then when a bunch of the sort of like negative campaign uh, promises that he'd made around sort of inquiries and um, uh, war rooms and fighting the liberals uh, proved to be rather flimsy and and not generate what he was hoping for, um, you know, wh- what do you do now? Because um, those seemed like very simple solutions, but it, it turns out usually when you're in government that the, that the answers to some of those challenges are a lot more complicated um, than, you, than your sort of campaign rhetoric uh, would allow for. Uh, but, you know, I, I've got to say, you're, you're right. I think that the unifying factor, you know, when the party came together was uh, a desire for power, right? That's politics. And I think that remains available again uh, as we head into 2023. Um, we haven't, you know, there has not been a lot of discussion about anything other than Jason Kenney's government in the last year and a half. And there will be attention and spotlight uh, placed back on on Rachel Notley, uh, her party, her candidates, and then ultimately her, her political platform. And maybe that's a unifying thing for conservatives, you know, reminding them that, you know, it's uh, it's it'll be a cold four years uh, if we don't come together and and you know credibly challenge that that election, uh, and that could be enough. I mean, it was it was a very very powerful rallying ca- uh, cry uh, for uh, for conservatives in 2017, 2018, and then through to uh, that general election. So that may be enough. It's it's a bit cynical, I'll admit, um, but in the end, um, politics is it's tribal and uh uh and that's 
just the nature of the game. Um, you know, we hope for good policy outcomes uh, through that process. And I think more often than not, we get them. Uh, but when it comes to motivation, for all the same reasons, Adrian, you spoke about having that sort of clear, quote unquote, enemy as being a motivator for your, your party base, that's the same here. Um, you know, once that attention turns from uh, critiquing each other and conservatives can start looking at their actual opponents, that may be enough to get folks back together. We'll see. Yeah, the, the, the threat of losing an election uh, is certainly helps, helps concentrate the mind. And, and I, I think you're right, both, both the points that you made about, um, both of you have made about the, the, the creation of the UCP. And what, one of the comments I like to make is that all the thing, I mean, it was very much a, a marriage of convenience to, in order to defeat the NDP in 2019. It was very successful. But all the things that the PCs and the Wildrosers didn't like about each other before, all still that all still exists, but now they're inside one. They're inside one party. So it's you know it's 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 uh, it, it's a uh, it's an entirely it's it's the same dynamic in a, just a, in just a new uh, or the same problems in, in in a new in a new dynamic. And I think we've we've seen that just uh, just play out over the past uh, over the past two years. Um, when you talk about tribalism and you talk about you know how maybe how things used to be. Um, I want to talk a bit about the the legislative session um, that just ended, uh, the session of the Alberta legislature, one of the longest sessions we've seen in, I think someone someone made a comment that it was the longest, I think Speaker Nathan Cooper said it was the longest session ever. And that's because we didn't have a speech from the throne in the spring. It was just, so this was literally the session that started in 2020, uh, in the spring 2020 that just carried on to 2021. But um, in a normal year, we would all, you know, Politicos, political staffers, lobbyists, and journalists would usually meet at uh, an event called the Press Gallery Christmas Party that was held every would be held every year at various locations. Was held at the Faculty Club for a couple of years and at other places. And usually there'd be the caucuses would the MLAs would produce videos, kind of funny spoof videos. And just a few days ago, or actually just yesterday, I was watching. I, I went and found the. Uh, the NDP's video from, uh, I think it must've been 2010 or 2011. Uh, and it was the, uh, the Brian Mason boot camp where, uh, yeah. uh, which is a classic and I'll put a link on, on, in the show notes if people haven't looked at it. And this is essentially NDP leader, Brian, Brian Mason, who was, uh, uh, the leader of, I think the NDP only had two, maybe two MLAs at the time. Um, uh, him and Rachel Notley, it was a spoof video of him, uh, being a drill sergeant, uh, teaching the uh, the then very very nascent uh, Wild Rose Caucus how to uh, how to be MLAs, and it was Daniel Smith and and uh, and uh, Paul Hinman and and um, Rob Anderson and uh, was Heather Forsyth in the video? Heather Forsyth, that's right. And then Roz Sherman shows up for some, for some reason. Anyway, it was great, um, and it just made me you know made me think a bit about how the dynamic used to be between the kind of the Wild Rose and the NDP. Uh, when the PCs were in government and how, you know, the, now you have a dynamic of, you know, the conservatives are, you know, concentrating against the NDP becoming government and, and vice versa. And, you know, it used to be that, you know, the PCs, this big amorphous blob of a political machine that had governed for four decades existed. Yeah. And then you had a conservative opposition and an and NDP, NDP opposition. So anyway, just to think of, you know, maybe in the, the next couple of years, we'll be able to return to, uh, to watching MLAs do, uh, do funny, funny self-deprecating videos of each other. Yeah. So well, Brian always used to say, I like, I, I love, I love conservative parties. I love them so much. I want there to be more of them. Right. So, uh, you know, <laughs> certainly we would, we would not be too sad to see some, some splintering, uh, 
<laughs> Conservatives deserve lots of choices, right? That's the uh, absolutely, that's the, yeah. yeah. It's a free market, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the Dave Berta podcast is brought to you by Rumi. Cold drafts, flickering lights, and where's that leak coming from? If you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Do you want to start your day informed? Well, then check out The Pulse, Taproot's daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a little bit of whimsy from features such as A Moment in History and the Friday Podcast Pick. And it's all free. Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. So the, the the legislative session just ended. Um, what did you guys think? What stuck out for you in the in this session, Adrian? Um, was there anything that I mean, you could obviously the stuff maybe some of the stuff that happened more recently. Yeah, I mean, we definitely ended with um, some interesting fireworks around um, Bill eighty one. Um, obviously, changes to um, uh, the way that uh, you know nomination races happen, um, political fundraising happens, uh, and and memberships in political parties. Um, can be sold, um, uh, and um, I, I mean, I I will say that I I found um, the government house leaders uh, lines on some of the changes that were being made uh, not particularly compelling um, in terms of you know um, are we going to start regulating cross country ski clubs next um, and uh, and you know I just I, the public does have an interest in you know the proper functioning of democracy. Um, political parties are not cross-country ski clubs. Um, far be it for me to, you know, critique uh, cross-country ski clubs, but there's, but you know, there's a, there is a, a an importance and and a seriousness um, about the work of political parties, um, and and I think uh, conservatives have a tendency to sort of want to um, uh, make politics seem like a bad thing, um, and uh, and in my view, um, politics is a very good and important thing, and we should be um, we should not be uh, downplaying the importance of the work that political parties do in 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 our in our democracy and i found i found jason nixon's comments on on that quite uh uh quite questionable honestly yeah uh, you know what i i i think the session ended um in a way it was a bit of sort of that that last debate that that uh the night it all ended or uh, third reading committee of the whole for bill 81 with a bit of a sort of a microcosm of, of conservative politics in this last year. And, you know, that bill was brought in very intentionally by this government to use as a sort of a weapon against the NDP, the AFL, and, you know, what uh, was being described as sort of cozy relationships there. And in the end, conservatives used it as a weapon on each other. Uh, 
and it's it's been that way for for a year and a half now and that's not to say that any of the arguments uh presented by government members uh in the house were not without merit but just from the perspective of what does the public see they don't see a uh you know they didn't see um you know government successfully implementing their agenda uh with that legislation what they saw for the most part is is something that they've been seeing all along which is you know infighting uh some questions about uh motivation for that bill some questions about motivation for various provisions within that bill and in the end it's funny because yeah i followed that debate quite closely and it came down to questions about you know whether or not that bill would allow uh would allow for membership sales in a political party without a person's consent the ucp bylaws which i uh was in a position to help put together back in 2017 were very very clear about only allowing memberships purchased uh within one's own uh immediate family and that's because we knew that the grassroots of the party would not have it any other way there was concerns about you know quote unquote two minute tories bulk buying memberships from events in the past so they uh they were very you know deliberate deliberate about making sure that's in the party bylaws so some of those arguments about how they would apply to the ucp uh were moot yet what we had seen just a month prior or a few weeks prior was not um bulk buying memberships or buying memberships for people who uh weren't uh uh you know who who weren't aware it was you know facilitating entry to party agm uh through third party activity and and i think that you know when it comes to those members who who were concerned about sort of the integrity of future party events that wasn't even brought up that wasn't that you know that wasn't mentioned in debate yet that's sort of the that's we've seen that that's that's the sort of the mo for party organizing uh in in recent history and i think that's likely to be the sort of the risk or the threat going forward is not someone going and buying someone else's membership it's identifying who already is a member and then saying yeah i'll get you to that agm if you need a place to stay i can put you up and if you need help uh you know paying the whatever uh entry fee is uh you know i can i can take care of that too because that's you know that's where the act is silent that's what we saw previously and yet that was not part of the debate so i just i found it to be a very noisy chaotic uh legislative session there were some actually good pieces of legislation passed uh and consequential ones like this labor mobility act that i know the government has been working on for a year that will allow you know more professionals to come and enter the workforce in Alberta uh with fewer barriers but do people know that i don't think so that's not what people are talking yeah. about yeah and that to your point on the bylaws like that's that's all that's all great but i think my broader point on on sort of the 81 question was really um there's a reason that we have governments and that's to and that's you know to regulate because parties can change their bylaws and new parties can can uh come into power and so if if we're saying that we don't like the fact that if we don't like the idea of a provision in in the bill being possible why why have it you know it it it, it it's a bit incomprehensible um if you say we don't think that should happen then why are you why are you writing legislation that would that would enable that it it's beggar's belief well i imagine it's to make sure that the uh 
the Notley NDP have that as a as an option going into their next election would be my guess. I'd say facetiously. They're, they're, I honestly they're, don't they're know. doing it's it out of the kindness of their hearts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. They don't want to take any of uh, any anyone else's tools away. So, but no, honestly, that is it, it's a tough thing to reconcile, and I don't think it adequately was uh, in debate. To be honest. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, this bill was passed. This, this is the the last bill. It was passed at three a.m. Um, you know, it was something that had been on the agenda for about a month, I think, and uh, or on the on the order paper for about a, for about a month, and then it was just it was rushed and and in, introduced and rushed, completed at the end yeah. because, you know, it it uh, for for whatever reason, uh, you know, and and we found out pretty quickly at as as, as the fireworks uh, went off. Yeah, at uh, at uh, at one or two a.m. while most of us were sleeping and some of us political nerds were watching it, uh, that you know there was there was some some serious tension in the uh, in the caucus uh, that uh, that that played out and you know maybe obviously they didn't want this didn't want uh, didn't want the MLA standing up and making those statements and then having that kind of debate at uh, at uh, at one in the afternoon rather than one than one a.m. Though I do think I did think it was quite interesting to see the fireworks between. Um, between uh, government house leader Jason Nixon and deputy speaker Angela Pitt. Um, um, I mean, there was one point where she basically told him to shut up and sit down. Like it was, you know, with, in, in so many words, it was, you know, she was very short with him. Um, and I think he was being quite abrasive as well. It was pretty, it was a pretty tense debate. And I mean, as we've, you know, the generally the chair or the speaker does not like it when members take out their, uh, their frustration on, uh, on, on, on the chair. It's usually uh, not something that, uh, that the that the chair chair abides by. So, yeah, I think it's 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 been an interesting. It was an interesting session. I don't talking about your 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 point, Matt, in terms of you know what did they accomplish in this session? I mean, a lot of bills were passed, um, but like, I, when was the last time this government had a good news day? I mean, they've they've been pumping a lot of economic news out lately about economic investments and and you know there's some good stuff, job creation. Um, you know, some sign very significant investments happening in in the province, but like, it seemed like it's been months since the since the government has had any kind of good news that any kind of good news that's stuck that hasn't been derailed by something, you know, something negative that would happen either later in the day or 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 the next day. So it's going to be interesting to see how they how they turn that around going into the spring and what kind of like what the budget yeah. looks like and what mood Albertans are in because I'm not necessarily sure that the UCP. Can just go back to their plans from 2019. Actually, I don't think they can just go back to their plans for 2019 because I think things have fundamentally changed. And I think Albertans are in a very different place than they were before the pandemic. And I mean, that's the thing. Even though the government continued on with much of its agenda during the pandemic, a lot of it was stalled. And I mean, the UCP is really probably six months or a year behind to where they'd hope to be in terms of their agenda. Um, and you know, will they be able to get into that, to get into a position where they can, you know, sync up with Albertans? Uh, in the spring, I think the budget will be a will be a good indicator of that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think that uh, um, going, you know, if they're going to go straight back to the 2019 playbook and, and expect it to work uh, in 2022, you know, it, it won't. That's going to be a mistake, I think. And I think that they probably do recognize that. Two points, though. One is uh, this premier's made it very, very clear that he uh, wants to ensure that, you know, 100% of the 375 commitments that were made in that UCP platform uh, are acted upon. Uh, and he, you know, he's continued from day one to talk about uh, uh, progression in his, in his government in terms of percentage 
of those that have been met. So there's an element of uh, 2019 that I think we can expect back, and that's whatever may be left in that platform. Uh, but the other point is, you're right, there were a lot of initiatives that were put off because of COVID. But when you look at the overall state of the province's finances, they are, they are much more than six months ahead than of where they thought they might be. And it's very likely, it seems at this point, uh, that we will see a balanced budget unless, you know, something happens and, and you know, the uh, energy, pr energy prices crash again. And, you know, and, and frankly, that could happen. Uh, we saw what happened when uh, uh, Omicron was first uh, discovered. Energy prices dropped by about 10 bucks a barrel, like immediately. So it is tenuous, but I do see a path where six months from now, if, um, if that budget uh, is as rosy as, you know, I sort of expect it to be, uh, and they're in a position now where they can say to fiscal conservatives that care about uh, balancing the budget that, you know, we're a year away from that, while also speaking to other Albertans who want to see, you know, sustained increases in healthcare spending, uh, program, various programs, frankly, even the childcare uh, uh, deal that was announced uh, a month and a half ago, that only comes into effect in January. And I know it's not the deal that the uh, the UCP said they wanted, but I think they're going to benefit from from the fact that parents are going to see a real decline in their expenses uh, because of that. So there's a lot of factors that I think are going to um, that could play out in a way that generally makes people more optimistic. Um, but will the public allow this government to take credit for any of that? And that's the big question. Uh, that I don't think uh, I don't think people are willing to uh, sort of stake any reputation on answering yet because it's it, the the numbers are clear right like people people have um, issues of trust with this government going into the 2019 election though it's important to remember that the UCP as a party was always more popular than uh, Jason Kenney as leader. And that didn't matter. It took, you know, we took sort of the best of the premier's uh, tactical and strategic uh, uh, ability in politics, and uh, you know, you tack it onto a party that was generating, you know, at the time the support of, you know, almost half of Albertans, and it was good enough, right? And people voted for the party. Not sure, not sure that that will be good enough uh, in 2023. I think that we do need to get into a position where. Um, people are excited to vote conservative as opposed to just afraid of voting NDP. And there's a little bit of time to get there, but not a ton. Adrian, do you have, uh, have any, any response to, uh, for sure. Lots to say. Um, I think, uh, first of all, there are a lot of Albertans out there right now who are quite excited uh, rather than afraid to be voting for the NDP in the upcoming uh, election. And, um, but I do, I, I also want to say in terms of sort of implementing the, um, uh, you know, um, three volume platform that the UCP put out in the 2019 campaign, um, you know, uh, it seems um, strategically unwise, shall we say, uh, for the Premier to um, continue to insist on, uh, on implementing all of those commitments. But um, I don't, my understanding uh, is certainly not that he's a particularly flexible individual. And so, um, 
it strikes me that uh, they will uh, kind of want to return to that agenda, even though I think the the much wiser move um, strategically would be to say we're listening and we you know uh, we have some other things to focus on, um, and and to try and take that as an opportunity to sort of hit a bit of a reset button. So the the first test of the UCP government uh, electorally since 2019 is coming up. The first like real actual test, um, the Fort McMurray Lacklebish by election, which has to be called before February 15th. And this by election was triggered when um, Layla Goodridge, who was the former UCP MLA, uh, resigned to run federally in Fort McMurray Cold Lake and was elected as the Conservative MP in uh, in the October election. So. The NDP have nominated their candidate, Ariana Mancini, who is a uh, a school teacher, grade four school French immersion school teacher in Fort McMurray. Um, the Wild Rose Independence Party, the newest version of the separatist movement or separate newest separatist party on the block, um, uh, led by for another former Wild Rose MLA, Paul and Wild Rose leader Paul Hinman, announced yesterday, I believe it was, or the day before, that he was planning on running for his party in the in the by election. And all eyes this weekend are on the UCP nomination meeting, uh, the nomination vote to, to select the UCP candidate, which includes uh, engineer and economist Joshua Gogo and a name extremely familiar to anyone who's paid attention to Alberta politics, Brian Jean, former leader of the Wild Rose Party, former Wild Rose MLA, former Fort McMurray member of parliament, um, who resigned in, it would have been 2017 or 2018, uh, and then was succeeded by, uh, by Layla Goodridge. The vote was held, well, the vote's being held as right now. We're recording this. It's uh, it's almost two o'clock on Sunday and the vote, the polls, unfortunately, don't close for another two hour, two or three hours. So we we don't have the results in uh, in front of us. I'm just going to throw out the question, guys. Prediction hats. Who's going to win the UCP nomination? Is Brian G, are we seeing a Brian Jean comeback here? Matt? Oh, I just talked about the, the that Paul Wells number one rule being the most boring outcome. Uh, Brian Jean winning would not be the most boring outcome, but I think he will win. Um, I, I know that um, his family has been in that community for, you know, for 40 plus years. And uh, uh, they pride, Fort McMurray prides themselves on community. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that's going to win the day here. But it's, you know, that's a tough, tough one to call because, Frankly, I think the only outcome I'm, I'm really willing to uh, sort of hang my hat on is, is chaos. And I think we're going to yeah. see that uh, at least sort of for the short term coming out of this nomination, if not into the new year. Adrian, this isn't traditionally friendly NDP territory up in, uh, up in the, uh, the Northeast. The NDP have a pretty good base of support getting, you know, in the past couple elections, they've got between 24 and 30, I think 32 or 33 percent. Um, but still, that's never really been, they've never really been in a position to win. Um, what do you think the, the by-elections can, can produce strange results? Voter turnout is kind of all over the place. It can be low, it can be high. Um, you know, this gives people an opportunity to send a message without drastically changing government. Do you, do you think the NDP has a shot in Fort McMurray, Lacklebish? I mean, it's always tough sledding, right? Um, and I spent some time up there uh, in the 2018 by-election that uh, elected um, Layla Goodridge, and uh, you know it was uh, um, obviously different, quite a different political landscape at the time. Uh, the NDP was in in government, and so it was a different a different scene. And um, I think uh, 
I think a couple of things. Um, one, um, I know our nomination meeting went, ex- ex- you know, very well. We had um, we had almost 100 people in attendance. Um, we had, you know, it was a big, uh, big group of, of uh, folks excited about um, Ariana. I know she's, you know, well liked in the community, and so that's all. Um, that's all to the good. Um, but it's a challenging part of the part of the province for us, um, and uh, and. Um, and that's just that's just the way it is, you know. Like, there's no. That's not saying that the NDP isn't leading in the polls broadly, um, right? Uh, but it is. It is just traditionally tougher, tougher sledding. Um, and the other thing that I would say is that, um, uh, you know, uh, generally speaking, um, I I'm a bit pessimistic about the NDP's chances in places that we didn't win in a wave election in 2015 when there was a when there was a divided right. Um, and that that constituency hasn't improved in terms of um, of the sort of uh, boundaries um, post post redistribution since 2015 for us. Like the it's it's a worse seat for us now than it would have been um, it, when we last ran there, in my view. So um, you know, uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna run hard and we're gonna work hard because that's what New Democrats do. Um, and uh, and we'll. Uh, leave it all out on the field, as they say. So, well, we'll 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 see. I mean, if the by-election gets called soon, or whether whether it gets called later, and we'll know uh, by the time people are listening to this podcast, we'll 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 unless something crazy happens, which this is Alberta politics, so some something we're talking about chaos. Um, you know, we'll probably know who won the UCP UCP nomination. So now I'm, I'm going to dive in. I've had a lot of fun uh, talking with you guys today. This has been great. I've prepared for a year, and I've prepared a little quiz. And uh, so I'm going to just throw out these uh, these questions to you. It's a quote quiz. So I've kind of dug around, picked out a bunch of quotes from uh, that uh, that Alberta politicians and people around politics have publicly said over the past uh, the past 12 months. And uh, I'll give you so I'll read the quote and then I'll give you a couple of options and uh, you guys can uh, do your best and and guess uh, guess who said this quote. So are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the quote is, I just really hope Jason Kenney is not in his condo right now, under his bed in a fetal position, hugging his Winston Churchill plush doll. Who said this? Was it A, Marlon Schmidt, B, Rick Bell, or C, David Kleimenhaga? Ooh. B, Rick Bell. Okay, Adrian? A, Marlon Schmidt. It does sound like something Marlon Schmidt would, would say, but no, Matt, Matt's right. It was it was Rick Bell, and this was Rick Bell on uh, on the uh, episode of the CBC's West of Center podcast, and I think that was their one of their first episodes of uh, of uh, of 2021. And he, he was talking about the uh, the uh, MLA travel scandal, the the Ho- Aloha Gate that uh, that started 2021 off, as uh, as many of our listeners will remember. Okay, going on to our second one. And this is a good one. Here's the quote. I know there's nothing that brings me more joy than watching the mutton busting and the greased hog with the little kids running around trying to hold on and whatever. It's just one of the most fun things you can ever watch. Okay, who said this? Was it A, Jason Nixon, B, Michaela Frey, or C, Nate Horner? I'm going to go with B, Michaela. Adrian? Uh, I'm 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 gonna put my money where Matt's is on this one. Okay. Yes, it was Michaela Frey, the uh, the MLA for uh, Medicine Hat Brooks, uh, when uh, she was speaking in favor of the 
bill that would make rodeo Alberta's official sport. Uh, I, I'll admit, I'll admit, Dave, I had a bit of an inside track there. Michaela represents my my hometown of Brooks, okay. where I do recall watching mutton busting at the Brooks Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, and and rodeo rodeos are fantastic. Anybody who who hasn't uh, any Albertan who hasn't gone and checked out a rodeo, just you know, when summer comes along, just Google whatever your nearest town outside of Edmonton and Calgary are, and you know, don't bother with the stampede. Go out to a real rodeo and uh, and watch some combine demolition derbies and uh and and, and whatnot okay uh number three as you can see there are many tentacles so no one falls through the cracks but someone or but but sometimes too many chefs in the kitchen as they say can affect the bottom line was this a joe cc b nicholas milliken or c rick wilson I'm going to go with A. Joe CC. Okay, Matt. I will. Yeah, I'll go with CC. Okay. It was, it was Rick Wilson, the uh, indigenous relations minister, uh, Rick Wilson in, in uh, November, on November 1st in the legislature. And I have absolutely no idea what he was referring to. I tried to <laughs> try to read the hands or it didn't make any sense. Anyway, it's just a bunch of mixed. Let's put that in the mixed metaphors category. Uh, Rick Wilson. Okay. Here's the next one. When you're a hammer, everything and everyone looks like a nail. That, ladies and gentlemen, is my, is my best description of Jason Kenney's leadership style. Was that A, Drew Barnes, B, Todd Lowen, or C, Brian Jean? I'm going to go with C, Brian Jean. I'm going to go with B, Todd Lowen. You're right, Adrian. It was Todd Lowen. And that was that was from a uh, an op-ed that uh, the former UCP MLA for uh, Central Peace Notley, who's now an independent MLA, he wrote an op-ed in the National Post on June thirtieth, twenty twenty-one, and that's what that was from. Okay, and here's the next one. When you lean in, or for me, when you lean on the depth of this country, on what it has to offer, the different regional strengths, and some of the skills that you bring, that's when you light up. That's when you can set yourself apart on the world stage. That's when you become Canadians rather than Cantonadians. Ooh. Was it A, Dan Williams, B, Shane Getson, or C, Adriana Lagrange? I hope none of them. <laughs> <laughs> Any guesses? No. Okay, that was that was Shane Getson, who is the UCP MLA for Parkland, Lac Saint Anne, and uh, there were a whole bunch of Shane Getson quotes like this that I that I could have included. Um, <laughs> and we'll we'll just we'll just uh, we'll just leave it on that uh, on that. And uh, okay, here's another one. We're not perfect, and Albertans sure let us know that. Was that a Rachel Notley? B, Travis Taves, or C, Sonia Savage? Hmm. Uh, Sonia Savage. I'm going to go with Travis Taves. It was Sonia Savage. Matt's got it. Yeah. And that was in response to the uh, when uh, Energy Minister Sonia Savage reintroduced that or announced that the 1976 coal policy would be reinstated. And I think she announced the um, appointment of a coal, pa uh, coal panel, a coal policy panel after that. Okay. And here's our last one, which is a, which is a great quote. 
I've been trying to negotiate a walk-on cameo in The Last of Us, but I'm not sure that will turn out because it's a zombie show. Was that A, Doug Schweitzer, B, Tyler Shandro, or C, Jason Kenney? I'm going to say Kenny. Yeah, me too. Kenny, it was Jason Kenny. That was uh, Premier Jason Kenny uh, speaking about the uh, the film, um, the the uh, the show, the, the HBO show, uh, The Last of Us, that uh, that was being filmed in uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Canmore, all around all around the province. So that was fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for indulging me with that, guys. Um, yeah, great. yeah. Good finds there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, I, there's uh, yeah. I, I yeah I I collected them from a, from a bunch of places over the over the course of the year with the, within mind have doing this uh, doing this so that was a lot of fun um, I guess if any of our listeners have uh, have any good uh, MLA quotes uh, that they want to share feel free to uh, to send send them in and uh, or post them in the comments in the in the show notes after after you listen okay now we're we're done with the fun and games now down to the serious business guys it's our last episode of the year and that means that it's time to uh, time for me to ask your picks for the best of Alberta politics in 2021. Now this is usually we do a big survey every year. Usually we announce the the results on our survey, but we're doing it a little backwards this year, uh, mostly because I didn't have my act together. So we're launching the survey quite soon, uh, but I'm gonna ask you guys uh, to uh, to share with our listeners the uh, your picks for the best Alberta cabinet minister of 2021, the best opposition MLA of 2021, and the up and coming MLA or the up and comer to watch in uh, in 2022. So, Adrian, I'm I'm going to ask you first, best Alberta cabinet minister of uh, of 2021. And I and I and I and I let you you can interpret best how you want to interpret. So, I was thinking about making I mean, I had a couple of ideas for um for uh, folks to nominate and um one of them uh was uh you know, just in terms of sheer like uh um, just belligerence. I think um, I would love to nominate uh, uh, Jason Nixon, um, but um, uh, ultimately, um, in all seriousness, I do think it's it's absolutely the finance minister Travis Taves. Um, he comes off as uh, very uh, measured and and reasonable. Seems to seems to be on top of of all of his files, uh, and so um, that that will be my that will be my pick. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Matt. Well, at, at, at risk of, uh, of 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 having to backtrack on we we, we should we should we should provide a little con- we should provide a little context about last year. I I, I think yeah. your pick last year was good, uh, but then the person who you picked uh, did something a couple weeks later that uh, did that. And had she had you know she not gone to Hawaii with her family, um, she might have been a you know a good cabinet minister this year. Yeah, it, it turns out uh, uh, I also was not apprised of uh, anyone's travel plans uh at that time so uh <laughs> but i will go out on a limb uh this time around and i'm actually going to go with jason copping uh our new health minister um from the perspective of he came into that role um abruptly um at a time where you know stability and confidence uh had to be exuded but in a way that was believable uh and not just you know where uh, like that that you know, that meme with the dog and everything's burning around him and, and the guy says it's fine. Um, it has to be genuine. And and I think uh, Minister Copping has come in and done a, a really, you know, I think a solid job in a in a very difficult circumstance. Um, but I also know that that's the kind of prediction um, that could blow up uh, with the 
next wave or the next variant that comes along uh, or the, uh, the next vacation plan. So who knows? And health is such a tough file, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's there's no doubt that uh, in terms of, of Jason Copping, the tone has definitely changed uh, since uh, since he's taken over as, as health minister. Um, and I, I agree with Adrian about um, about Travis Taves. He definitely he gives the impression that he's the adult in the room, and that's always the impression I get with him whenever he does a, a press conference or, sp or speaks to the media. The 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 one that I would pick, because I'm just going to insert mine. It's not necessarily best, but I was thinking about the most underused underused cabinet minister. I really think is Rick McIver. Um, I think he's someone who has a lot of experience. He's a was a PC cabinet minister. Uh, he speaks plainly. He's smart, but he speaks plainly. He's kind of he has the yeah. the 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 feel or the acts like a like a normal person. Uh, he's not a. I mean, he's a career. He's yeah. a, I guess you could call him a career politician at this point, but he doesn't act like a career politician. And and anyway, I'd feel I feel that he's kind of underused because he's kind of in the background and and uh, could probably be used. Uh, you know, put front and center a little bit more. I agree, Dave. And I, I thought actually this government utilized him well uh, around January of, uh, of this past year mm -hmm. when uh, they were on their apology tour. Mm -hmm. um, Rick McIver is someone who, uh, who sort of demonstrates humility and talks about, you know, constituents being the bosses, and he's done so for his entire career. So when it comes to projecting that side of, uh, of the, uh, or that message, I think he is quite effective and uh, they could maybe use a little more of that. So moving on, best opposition MLA. Okay, Matt, we'll, uh, let's just start with you. Best opposition MLA of 2021. I am going to say David Shepard. Um, I think as the, uh, the health critic, you can kind of approach it two ways. And one is the really easy way, which is to sort of, you know, especially in a pandemic, you can almost take a new tact every day uh, based off of sort of what the, uh, either what the, the COVID numbers are the night before or you know what the headlines are, but I think he's done a an effective job of uh, sustaining pressure on very specific aspects of the COVID response. Um, you know whether it's uh, you know PPE uh, uh, for uh, sort of high contact places, you know public institutions, schools, etc., um, or even just talking about the you know the challenges frankly, of implementing a, uh, a mandatory vaccination decree across uh, the, the healthcare sector. Um, and I, so I think he's been, um, you know, fairly reasonable in, in uh, uh, the way he's approached this, when it would be very easy to go, you know, to go quite far the other way. So I'd say David Shepard. Great. Uh, Adrian. Um, it's a tough call for me because I think um, I do think you know that caucus is is doing um, really excellent work, and I think there are a ton of uh, really um, solid players. And and um, you know when 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 I compare sort of the benches of the two caucuses, I'm I'm often somewhat surprised. Not surprised, that's the wrong word, but you know it's interesting when I look back at sort of when people were talking about the NDP caucus in 2015. Um, I really expected that Kenny would attract um, a few more superstar players than uh, he was able to for that 2019 election. And so, um, but so yeah, just lots of lots of really solid bench strength for the NDP um, in my view. But I, I'm gonna go with uh, the Taves-Phillips combo here. Um, I, uh, I, Shannon Phillips is, um, is uh, very um, tough and uh, uh, brilliant uh, woman. And uh, I think we we just um, benefit a lot from um, uh, her um, 
her eye on the on the finance file and um, uh, and just a real ability to connect, I think, with Albertans um, and uh, and to speak, I think, plainly as well. So, uh, yeah, that's my that's my pick. Great picks, guys. Um, up and comer to watch in uh, in 2022. Adrian, I'll go back to you. Okay, so I, I mean, I have a slightly mean joke here, which, which is that I really, I do think it's Devin Drieschen. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, and I, and I, and I also think that this is maybe a bit of a, of an, I think maybe calling her an, an up and comer at this point is maybe uh, under, underrating her. But I think Rocky Pancholi for the NDP um, just continues to be someone. Um, that people want to watch um uh, when she speaks she's she's very enjoyable to listen to um smart and very on top of her files um and so uh, that that would be my pick great thanks matt up and comer 2022 it's hard to without knowing who it is it's, it's still hard not to pick the member for uh for uh fort mcmurray lac labish whomever that may be <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're going to need to watch uh, watch that uh, that member. Uh, beyond that, someone who I know is as of uh, 2:15 today elected, uh, I would say Nate Horner, uh, new minister. Uh, he was an associate minister previous, but again, he comes from Drumheller Stettler, uh, sort of the the heart of freedom loving Alberta, uh, and yet he's you know he's a he's a minister now where he has to. Uh, represent the views of government. I think he's got the confidence of his caucus colleagues uh, and uh, and his constituents. And, you know, he's a very, very likable man. So that's, uh, that's I'll, I'll start there. Likable is a good thing. Likable, likable, likable is always a good thing in politics and just in general in life. No, those are, those are, those are really great picks. And, and uh, I mean, I think I might've picked the, the, uh, the same two, if I had to pick from one from the NDP and one, one, one from the UCP, both are, uh, Definitely two politicians that uh, aren't necessarily new, but definitely people who are, were watching uh, going into the new year who've had a you know a big impact, having had an impact in 2021, will uh, you know are in a good position to uh, to uh, to make waves or uh, you know impress people and be like be even more likable in 2022. So thank you very much, uh, Adrian and Matt, for joining us on the podcast today, and and thanks for everyone who listened and subscribed to the Dave Berta podcast this week and. Uh, a huge thanks, as always, to our producer, Adam Rosenhardt, for making this podcast sound so good. One more year down, Adam. Uh, you're great. We could, we literally could not have done it without you. It would just be me talking to my computer screen. Thank you, Adam. Uh, the Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Send us your feedback on Twitter and Instagram at, at DaveBerta or on the Dave Berta Facebook page, or you can reach us by that old-fashioned email at podcast at daybird.ca. Once again, thank you so much to Adrian King and Matt Solberg for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, I know our listeners will uh, will appreciate your insight and your knowledge and thoughts on what's going on in Alberta politics. And, uh, you know, as we end the year and uh, and head off into uh, into 2022, um, again, I said we, uh, earlier where people will be posting the um, the link to the the Alberta politics uh, Best of Alberta Politics 2021 survey. So please vote early and vote often. Happy Christmas, happy holidays, and we will see you guys again in the new year. <laughs>